This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Jacob Rich, policy analyst, research, excuse me, Reason Foundation, PhD candidate, Case Western Reserve School of Medicine and Cleveland Clinic. Good day, sir, welcome. Thanks for having me back, Dr. Richie. How are you doing? Hey man, glad to have you back. We're gonna talk about mask and vaccine mandates. I don't wanna presume what you believe or know about that particular topic. So if you would, brother, give us your sentiment as it relates to mask and or vaccine mandates and protocol in America. Sure, so I wanna begin by commending you on a point that I think we agree on. I watched your previous episodes and saw that you were forwarding with the idea of treating previous COVID infection as synonymous with vaccination. And according to the data, previous infections actually more effective at preventing the future contraction of COVID-19 than the vaccine. So I'm glad that you've been reading the science. I don't expect anything less of you, so very good that we probably uh, agree on that point. But going from that point forward, I'm just I'm thinking about what the implications of vaccine mandates are currently, given the waning efficacy of the vaccine. So if you look at the data, if 100% of the population gets vaccinated, assume everyone delaying for political reasons or religious reasons or whatever, if 100% get vaccinated, we still do not reach herd immunity and we still have COVID-19 in front of us. So with such a low standard of efficacy after 100% vaccination, the idea that we cannot reach herd immunity afterwards, why are we allowing pharmaceutical companies to potentially bribe and lobby politicians to get their vaccines mandatory in the future? With such a low efficacy, given the Delta variant going around, I could see the flu vaccine being mandatory and that's not a future I want. So that's what's going on in my head at the moment. Okay, all right, we'll deal with that and then we'll get into the mask mandates. I understand sure. your point of view as it relates to herd immunity because we exist in a global context. The idea on the science side that promotes herd immunity is that you are able to slow or eliminate the variant dynamic if you can get to a place of herd immunity and you can get through this and it's just a pandemic that you overcame rather than it becoming endemic as some would suggest. So let me push back a little bit on that. I do believe that you can reach herd immunity through a maximum number of Americans vaccinated, not just because of the vaccinations, but when you look at some of the social scientists who have weighed in on this along with the medical data, it's also about America leading the world. It's about America being able to lead the conscience of other nations to develop similar protocols in order to get us to a place of actual 
herd immunity. And we've done this with other vaccinations before. And even when other countries would not implement things like polio mandates or tetanus mandates, when we did, we then influenced the rest of the global industrialized and developing nation context. Because after that, we said in order to travel here, in order to do business here, in order to have companies here, in order for us to do business there, these are some of the mandated protocols. And we've had these protocols on the books for many years. Um, so, so I understand your point of view, that's just the other point of view. The issue of mask mandates, it's really interesting to me. Uh, because to me, it's a very similar argument as the vaccine mandates for most. Now you make a different argument. And I actually think your argument has a little more intellectual integrity than the argument of it's a violation of civil liberty. That's not the argument you're making. Because if it's an argument of civil liberty, my complete pushback is that we have mandated vaccines uh, in America everywhere. Uh, we've always had mandated vaccines in the United States of America. I'm sure you're, uh, you have mandated vaccines in your body right now, correct? Of course. Yeah, all right, uh, and, and we never felt that it was a violation of civil liberty, or, or at least that was not the common narrative um, as it relates to those vaccine mandates. But let's talk about mask mandates. Do you really have a problem with a mask mandate? And, and, and after we chop that up, we'll go back to the vaccine protocol. Well, I'm just not exactly sure what the mask mandate is trying to accomplish. If we're at a position where we only reach herd immunity through infection, maybe we could have mask mandates in place until our young people, and I think this is mostly a school conversation. Maybe mm -hmm. we could have mask mandates in place until they're vaccinated and we reduce their rate of hospitalization. But that seems to be the only strategy forward. I think that this pandemic really only comes to an end after everyone gets infected because of the Delta variant and the waning efficacy of the vaccine. So are we just delaying until they're vaccinated? Is that, is that the idea? Masks certainly work. They remove the amount of moisture in the air and this, this virus travels on that moisture. I know someone came onto your program and was discussing how small the virus is and how- <laughs> Right, but that's outside of, right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's outside of the moisture context, right? Yeah, exactly. So I saw that. I understand that's ridiculous, right? It's, um, while we implement the strategy forward, we do have to acknowledge that there are some negative consequences of masks, and mostly it's actually dental. And we don't have good data on this. I really was searching for the data before I came on the show, so I could share it with you. But the only the most up to date data are 2019. But there are anecdotes of massive increases in various dental issues. And there is a condition called mask mouth that affects people who are in the employment. And if we're going to be risking the dental health of our young people in order to try to delay when they inevitably face the virus, I'm just not quite sure what the cost benefit analysis of this is. All right, so let's do the analysis, man. You're an analytical guy, right? So the first thing you weigh, obviously, are the variables that you can't control, that you understand. So we do understand that masks generally are safe. They are safe. Now, if you have to wear them every day, there will be some adverse effects to some people, not the majority. Now, here's the thing. We've always accepted in American society that for everything that can help us, to a certain population segment, it can harm them. Seat belts, like it or not, kill a certain number of people every year because they had on the seat belt. For some, they had it on improperly and they died because of the seat belt. Well, we don't ban seat belts. We still say, listen, the overwhelming data suggests and says, and is in fact true, 
that wearing a seatbelt saves way more lives than it will ever extinguish, right? And so we look at it from that context. Also, looking at the mask issue, well, the data is still coming in. We don't see severe side effects from the mask, at least not in what we would know as a statistical significance. But we do know that if you do not wear a mask, you get what's happening in Jackson County, Mississippi. Well, the superintendent has decided to eliminate all CDC protocols and his COVID positive rate for school age children under his leadership is damn near 10%. It's almost 10% unheard of, way past the national average, way past the average of even adults. He has a 10% COVID positivity rate among students because he eliminated masks, all right? And a teacher has already died of COVID-19. So we know what it looks like when you eliminate masks. And let's talk about the mandate of masks. Masks are able to be mandated by the school boards, if we're talking about the school context. Over 60% of citizens in America, parents are for it. They are, the majority of parents are for it, the majority of Taxpaying individuals in that community afford the local school board having the ability to make a mask mandate requirement. And we know it does actually decrease the spread of COVID-19. But look at it statutorily. The school system has the legal authority by statute, which is derived actually from the 10th Amendment of the Constitution to enact certain laws and prerequisites. For example, your regimen to be vaccinated comes from the school board, that's school board law. So you mean to tell me that school board has the authority to mandate a needle being put in a child's arm, but they don't have the authority to tell a child to wear a mask. They have the authority to say these are the vaccinations required to enter this campus, but they don't have the authority to, to say wear a mask. And remember, they already enforce things like school, school dress codes, etc. This is commonplace, not a violation of any rule or constitutional right. Well, I wasn't, I never made the point to disagree with any of that. But there are a couple things that we need to keep in mind. First off, the example you gave is an anecdote. Quite possibly the um, the resistance to wear a mask in that school is why this is happening. But I would need a much larger data set before I make that sort of conclusion. Um, I can give anecdotes of places with no mask where there's not a problem. And that's why we always turn to the data. Uh, given the powers that school boards have and what local jurisdictions have over their students and parents and whatnot. I I mean, we could talk about that a little bit if you want, but that's that's really not my concern. My concern isn't really what the opinion is, it's about what's going to be effective. Okay. And back to your seatbelt example. The number of people who die from seatbelts a year compared to the amount of people who die in the road is statistically zero. That's why well, it's less and let me let me just upon that one one point. It is less than one percent. But I yeah. can make the same argument for masks. How many children have died of masks? Um, I assume it's probably less than seatbelts. Exactly, that's my point. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not talking about deaths from masks. I'm talking about dental cavities, tooth decay. Very like when you when stuff comes out of your mouth, that's your body getting rid of gross stuff. And if you are in school. Eight, nine hours a day, and maybe they're gonna make the athletic kids wear a mask. It probably depends district to district. Do, but do we have any clinical data on that as of yet? We don't, but it's definitely a concern. And we 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 don't always Which have Which is the heavier concern? The potential of something that has not been clinically proven or the clinically proven dynamic 
of a kid getting COVID and having respiratory issues forever, possibly hospitalized, and also infecting their family, their grandparents, their parents, etc. Which one is the heavier weight here? Well, I would say that we put the COVID lockdowns in place before we had many clinically proven conclusions, which we learned. Yeah, but we were right that the lockdowns were appropriate. There was just such potential danger, and we understand the science, and you understand what happens to various people who live in who have occupations where they cover their mouth, and how much higher of a chance they have of tooth decay. It's the tooth decay, the potential tooth decay of the entire child population to save how many. Child lives. And let me ask you, Jacob, are you are you really making the argument, brother, that some unproven claim, absolutely no scientific or clinical basis for the claim, um, should be a reason that we hesitate or stop um, children from wearing masks in zones or school districts that have deemed it to be necessary based on the COVID positive rate in that local jurisdiction? There is definitely scientific evidence that this can happen. I just don't have the data because the CDC doesn't publish the data until next year. But this this is not me just opining on random things that can happen. This is me looking at various dental records, various yeah. dental reporting. So you that. are making that argument that the dental issue is the issue for you. It's not the only issue, it's one of many issues that can come from covering people's mouths. Okay, what comes from not covering their mouth? What happens? COVID. Exactly, which one is worse? It, it depends, it depends, it depends on each individual. I mean, okay. you have a 5% hospitalization rate among the entire population for COVID, right? And for children, it's much less. So it's how many children do we save by covering their mouths until we get them vaccinated versus the potential population effects of tooth decay and other things that could happen from this. You know, I gotta say, Jacob, listen, man, you're a smart guy, but but I don't feel you on this argument. Because one, there is no clinical study to suggest this is a cause and effect reality for young people. Two, if you do find that there is something to this, maybe a year down the road, I would I would argue the numbers, I'm sure the numbers are gonna show it impacts a very small minority of the data set because once again, we're weighing the amazing impact of COVID-19 on our population, not just children. And remember this brother, we talk about it from the context of children all the time, because that's where a lot of the conversation is. That's where a lot of the news is following the mask mandates, etc. But the reality is none of these children exist in a silo. They all go home to somebody. They go home to parents, they go home to grandparents. Sometimes they go home to siblings that are that already have compromised immune systems, perhaps, right? So they, they live in a larger context is my is my point. And when you look at the actual the actual weight of the potential of COVID infection, you have to say the very small weight of the unproven potential of tooth decay somewhere down the road is a small weight, brother. Right? In comparison I, I to disagree. the massive weight of COVID. No, tooth tooth decay in oral health is one of the most important. It, it's not proven, brother. Listen, honey buns proven, lead to tooth decay more so than what you're talking about. It's not proven because we don't have the data yet. So just honey buns are proven. Data doesn't mean it's not something that we need to consider. I mean, okay. we're, now we're talking in circles, right? Yeah, all right. Let we me, let me have, move. We also don't have good data on the effect of the mask mandates. We have incredible data on how effective masks are, 
But if you put the mask mandates at the school level, what if the kids all hang out with each other after they go to school? You can't mandate the mask at school. So I can't even really create a cost benefit analysis of how many lives we're saving. We're basically swimming through this with just an incredible lack of data. Which is one of the major points I want to make is we need better data. We need to start randomly testing the entire country for COVID and for antibodies and for infections all across the country. I don't know why we haven't done that. Greenland's done it and they have incredible data because of it. Um, So yeah, I mean, without a whole bunch of data on either side, I feel like we're making these policies blind. And that's probably why so many people have died from COVID up to now. What else does Greenland do? Um, They probably mandate vaccines. Right, and uh, and they got a whole lot of people vaccinated, brother. They did. Uh, more than us, of course. Well, I yeah. mean, much larger population. The logistics of them doing it's much easier as well. And, but the issue, I mean, you talk about logistics. Um, we have the vaccine more readily available to us in America. We can go to a CVS and get the vaccine than they do in Greenland. Some people have to travel miles, a lot of miles in order to get access to a place that will distribute the vaccine. So it's an issue of psychology and education for Greenland. And and they came together, they came together on this and they have utilized common sense protocols, mask wearing, social distancing, taking the vaccination when it was available. You got people already signed up for the booster shot in Greenland. So you're dealing with a completely different psychological dynamic than in the United States of America. But you just proved my point, brother. When you do implement these common sense protocols and you do engage in the in the sentiment of let's do this for each other, you have a better outcome. Greenland has not only done it, they've collected the data and it's readily available. You just cited it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Greenland's been incredibly proactive this entire pandemic. Um, I've been but if America was that proactive, would you be in agreement with what Greenland did being implemented in America? Well, probably the only thing that Greenland has done, and I have to look at specifically, I haven't specifically looked at their vaccine mandates. I yeah. assume, I mean, just because of how the Nordics tend to. Uh, operate things, I assume they have it. I haven't really evaluated their specific policy in that aspect yet. So among everything they've done, the only thing that I probably oppose is the vaccine mandate. And the United States is actually kind of different from Greenland this way. The ability for pharmaceutical industries to lobby and to compel things in Greenland is much less because Greenland is kind of dependent on our technology. The vaccines they're implementing in Greenland are from us, right? So. I mean, the vaccine mandate is something that's really, it's really centered on American policy and everyone else is really gonna be following it. And the pharmaceutical companies, if you allow them to move forward with mandating vaccines that don't get us to herd immunity after 100% of the population has taken it, what else can they mandate? All right, so now, brother, you just made the first point I made to you. You made it back to me. You know what point that is? Um, Inform me. That's right. And well, also, if we a, know the points. huh? No, I said inform me. Well, what's the point that no, you were trying to make to me? When America leads in COVID vaccination, herd immunity happens in this country, it leads other nations to the same conclusion because America has done this routinely with other vaccines. Yes. But that's with diseases where if you take the vaccine, you for all intents and purposes have a 100% resistance to the vaccine. Take something like um, polio or small or measles. Measles is incredibly infective. There's about, it has an R naught of 15 to 20, which means the average person will infect 15 to 20 people. 
Hmm? With something that infectious, you need at least 95% of the population vaccinated to move forward. Right. And luckily, the measles vaccine is that effective. If you take it, you're not going to get measles. With COVID-19 and the COVID vaccines, that is not the case. And we should expect a, a higher standard before we make things mandatory. All right, let me ask you, I'm running out of time. And I, I would like to get into a rabbit hole with you on that. But I got to get you on the record with this. You Go all ahead. keep calling it a COVID, a COVID vaccine mandate. Yes. Biden literally signed an executive order that's not a COVID vaccine mandate. We it is, say that again. I said we disagree, but go ahead. All right, so let me talk. explain why it's not a mandate. Um, let's take the, it was three or four executive orders. Let's take the one that's primarily discussed because it impacts private companies, which means workforce employees. Um, if you have over 100 employees, 100 employees or more, um, your company has to either A, make sure the workers get a COVID vaccine or yeah. B, not yes. get one, right? Or B, not get one, and they do have to test on a seven-day per testing schedule, weekly schedule, in order to continue to be in compliance. Now, they are using OSHA in order to implement and oversee this rule. OSHA doesn't have the manpower. Let's be real. OSHA does not have the manpower to actually enforce this policy. So likely, what OSHA will do is OSHA will look at hot spots that come up based on reporting, and they will then implement the protocol and enforce the protocol for that particular company. But OSHA is in existence by constitution and statute. So you call it a mandate, but there's no mandate for the vaccine. It literally says the opposite. You do not have to get the vaccine. And then OSHA as a regulatory agency created in the 1970s because of the Commerce Clause of the US Constitution, which basically says Congress has the right to create a regulatory agency that can govern or create administrative law for anything dealing with interstate commerce. Well, yes, COVID impacts interstate commerce. That's your constitutional clause, your commerce clause. And they exist, OSHA exists to administer administrative law by way of the Congressional Act in the 1970s. And beyond that, this is an ETS. It is temporary. It is an emergency temporary standard that by law can only be in place for a certain number of days. And then OSHA would have to go through the traditional bureaucracy, which includes public input in order to make it permanent administrative law. So there is no mandate, there is no constitutional violation, and there is no statutory violation based on the current rules, laws, and constitution. Um, I disagree with almost all of that. Um, I wrote down your part so I can go down point by point, though. So first of all, this um, this this rulemaking that the Biden administration just put forward is probably the closest thing to a vaccine mandate that I've ever seen. You know, so you admit it's not a mandate. Well, I'm going to say, I mean, there's a spectrum of mandates. Yeah, there's but you said it was a mandate. Now you're saying it's the closest thing to a mandate, which means it's not a mandate. Go ahead. For all intents and purposes, it's a mandate. And I'm going not to explain mandate. why. It's the most mandatey of laws that we've really mandate-y? seen. Mandatey? Okay, brother, go ahead. Okay. All right. So if you look at schools and schools that man that have mandatory vaccines, which is all states, all states technically have public schools that mandate vaccines. Correct. But all but six allow religious exemptions. 
if you're if you're a parent and you don't want to vaccinate your kids, there's a really good chance you won't have to. So there's there's plenty of exemptions. And what Biden's doing, what President Biden is doing, I try to be respectful, he is basically threatening your livelihood for about 80 million Americans to get vaccinated. Or take a test. This, what? Or take a test. Yeah, well, but he's basically compelling them because the tests are incredibly expensive. No, sir. Tests, no, sir. Yes, they are. If, no, if let, you have lots of employees, it's very expensive to carry out. Let, these let me let me opine on that because that that is a point you bring up, and I yeah. think it's a good point Subsidizing to make. Subsidizing these tests for the companies. Say that again. Is the government subsidizing the tests for the companies? And they should. They, they should. should. Yeah, now, no, many of the tests be different, but they're not. Right. Many of the tests are actually available, especially in um, cities that places like Atlanta, you can get a test for free. All right, you can get a test a bunch of times, no charge. But there are spots in America where people are charging for tests, okay? If you don't have insurance, you may be, you know, SOL, all right? You have to pay for it. I do not believe the individual employee nor the employer um, should have to foot that cost. I do think there should be a federal subsidy to reimburse companies for the cost of employees who would prefer to take the test. Go ahead. And once that's put into place, then I would say that this really isn't that big of a deal. Okay. It's just that without that type of subsidy, the Biden administration is telling companies that they need to pay for these tests. And that has actually led a bunch of companies to mandate the vaccine or face being fired or to mandate the vaccine by threatening the amount of money they make with their health insurance. Yeah. So, I mean, you're basically in the situation where the government is able to very effectively risk your livelihood. Well, and you know, that's by design. So we know this, brother. That is not a coincidence. They've gone on record. I'm glad that Democrats are actually saying this is to make it difficult to not be vaccinated. They have said that on the record. Biden said it in so many words. Dr. Fauci basically said it exactly like I just said it. Um, so I'm glad glad they're at least telling the truth about it. All right, we, we got like one minute or two, brother. Go ahead and make your next point. Well, uh, the constitutionality of okay. this, well, it, it's actually arbitrary. So you're right, the OSHA does have broad ability to make laws, but yeah. so did the CDC. And the CDC's moratorium was struck down as unconstitutional. And it was struck down as unconstitutional because they kept leveraging it over and over again. But now that the Supreme Court has had a chance to rule on it, they're never allowed to do it again. Yeah, they overused the brother. They, it was struck down really because of overuse. Uh, there should have been a statutory dynamic that they allowed the CDC. CDC did the right thing, in my opinion. Uh, it would have created a public health issue uh, if you do evictions in the middle um, of a pandemic. I agree 100% with the logic, uh, but I do think it should have been taken up statutorily after that, in which we could not get uh, agreement across the board for how to do this long term. My sure. producers are telling me I got to wrap it up, man. Always fun having you on the show. Well, thanks for having me again. Thanks, Dr. Absolutely, Richie. man.